0: This is CliffCentral.com.
1: My, I got, I got my homie here, Komotsontuli here, and to pay homage to him, we start off with, uh, who who said Minang Tan Uchuaala? I know him and his love for Uchuaala. Yo! Oh wow! Uh, you are giving you giving
2: away problems here. You giving, yeah,
0: yeah. giving away. secrets yeah. oh, here.
1: this one, this one's part of the family. We can, we can, we can throw him with, with, with you. You're with gonna the see, bus. When he comes on. When he comes on, you see how how noisy he'll be. <laughs> Good morning, a hey, tada. Good boarding, everybody. This is, frankly speaking, on Cliff Central, nine a.m. to eleven a.m. Wednesday. Uh, Andrew Levy, good morning. I'm flop Flop. don't This <laughs> is This
2: language as you guys speak in Pretoria. It should be like a thirteenth official language because it's definitely not Anything I know, it's not even it's just its own thing, hey? <laughs> Talk to me, what are we up to today? What's going on?
1: So today we're asking, frankly speaking, should young professionals uh, extend the decolonization project that we've seen on campuses into corporate South Africa? And if that's to be the case, what does it look like? And uh, how should we get it going? We have an exciting program uh, lined up for you today. We've got Ferial Hafiji of uh, the City Press coming through and also the author of What If There Were No Whites in South Africa? We've got Devo Lucy, the founder and chairperson of Young Professionals Forum as well Busima Busso The Acting Managing Director Of the Black Management Forum Komuzon Who's a social activist uh, A regular contributor To the show We've got Brian Moore And we've got Arti Moore uh, Founder and, of the Key Leadership Institute So it's a packed show Jeez, Could
2: uh, you get anyone else In the show?
1: No, no I was I trying mean, to get Julius To come and say You know like These things Yeah we, When we are now Tired of speaking Now what must we do? What must what? come to help him? <laughs> <laughs>
2: so let us know your thoughts uh, how could we decolonize corporates do we even need to decolonize corporates what does decolonization of corporates look like or even mean uh, hit us up on wechat at cliffcentral.com or you can you can also message us on twitter at Rory Shabalala or at yebo underscore levy let us know your thoughts
1: Right now we have the, the singular pleasure of welcoming Ferial Hafeji, the City Press editor and author of What If There Were No Whites in South Africa. Good morning Ferial.
3: Good morning, it's lovely
1: to be with you Likewise, Ferial. in your book you speak of a seismic generational shift Where the language of compromise and detente That had formed the basis of what many regarded as South Africa's miracle transition uh, Was now being poo-pooed by a generation who had been born free Into what we thought was a country of opportunity Or what you thought was a country of opportunity Does this context also apply in corporate South Africa, do you think?
3: Um, I think, I was just reading in Business Day this morning, Komani Makwele's account of how he started the Roads Must Fall movement, which is where the literal idea of poo-pooing came from. So I think university campuses are much easier to organize on because students have degrees, more um, freedom to organize. They're in the same place, so coherent movements are easier, far more difficult in workplaces. But as I have taken my book on a roadshow, it's pretty clear to me that exactly the same resentments and unhappinesses are festering in corporate South Africa. And honestly, I don't see a whole lot being done. Perhaps I don't know. Perhaps you know more than I do.
1: Very, you speak about a difficulty. Where does the difficulty lie in just uh, you know young professionals coming together and uh, literally just turning things upside down and making sure that uh, they're heard?
3: I think once you start earning and the levels of dependency on you are much greater or you begin building up your family, um, then your ability to take radical action is much limited. So I've seen it in the places where I work. You constantly have to weigh up those balancing acts. And let's face it, you know, corporate workplaces are certainly not, Um, democracies and they are even less democratic than universities where students are able to raise their voice more I think it takes really brave souls to ask the tough questions and to begin finding ways uh, to, to raise their unhappinesses and to begin the work of making places in which they feel comfortable and in which they are seen.
2: Farrell, uh just a very, very interesting discussion, but I think I want to take us back one step. What sure. does decolonization mean to you in terms of decolonizing corporates? What does that mean? Because I'm confused.
3: So I don't really buy the the framing of the movement, but really I feel like I'm a minority and older voice in that. I mean I've done a lot of reading up talking to people about what exactly it means. So at universities um it, it I think it is about being able to see yourself, so that's why art and portraiture was burnt. I think it is about um, being able to have lecturers who represent the diversity of South Africans, and let me be frank, more black lecturers and black professors. Now, if we take that into the workplace, exactly the same set of um, values, Andrew, that we can't have workplaces that don't look like South Africa and that black people must be seen to be in significant um, positions of power not just the soft um, the soft areas
2: is it just about is it just about representation black versus white or is it more uh, about a mindset of of how one needs to act in these corporates and how one needs to behave and what is correct and what is not correct
3: well i think it's it's fundamentally not meant to be merely a changing uh, of Of colour only in the corp- in the sea suite, um it is about bringing a different set of constitutional transformational values into the work you do. now, the example that perhaps is most clear to me of where that didn't happen is in a couple of places so mtn is in a lot of trouble um, because it didn't properly evaluate risk or take care in nigeria um did its managers or its directors etc act in a, a transformational way understanding what the new global uh, economic landscape is and then closer to home when cyril Ramaphosa was on the board of london did he have his eyes sharply focused on what workers issues were as they became more indebted um and as the the mining company didn't live up to its promise of providing housing. So obviously much, much deeper than um, color
1: change alone you know. Ferial, uh, well, you mentioned Cyril Ramaphosa Who used to be uh, a trade unionist, unionist yes. At one time um, yes. and, and of course you're an executive In this very corporate South Africa That we're speaking about um, and, and you have mentioned in the book Just this difference in, in generational perspective uh, Would you say that your generation Has failed to meaningfully um, Meaningfully and impactfully Drive the transformation agenda In corporate South Africa?
3: Um Well, I hope not. And I think I know enough people who have taken up the cudgels, who have done things to bring others in, who have insisted on the implementation of the Employment Equity Act. But as at the universities, I do think it's time to pass the baton to a next generation and see what they are going to do. So next week I'm taking the book to um, the Santan BMF branch, and I really am hoping to give some of that information what are young people doing besides being angry
1: uh, so just as we as we let you go, Ferial, uh, you sure. describe as well your deep appreciation for the impact that freedom had on your life. Um, oh. you, you even speak of how it was not if it was not for that freedom you'd be living the nightmare that you dreamt too often before uh, today's generation of young professionals might have a different take though and ask. What freedom exactly are you talking about? Is it a case to use the uh, wording, wording of uh, a minister of high education? Is it a case of one darkie's freedom? <laughs> I, I
3: don't know. So maybe I get the bar too low, and that comes from because of where I came from. And of course, I think a new generation, I won't even use the word freedom because I think you might help me to. <laughs> A, a new generation obviously has a higher bar of what freedom means, and it's pretty exciting to see how they are going to begin interpreting that in, into a set of measurable actions.
1: Fantastic. So you speak about the young generation. We have the young generation here, and we take the conversation forward. Thank you very much. We know you have to run Thank you very much, guys. Thank you. What if you know what? South Africa? That's a, a, a good bookstore? <laughs> <One I'm
2: ad. laughs> that was pretty impressive. I'm nice. I'm good. I'm good. Hey, listen, if you just joined the show, we're we responsibility for de- colonization project into corporate South Africa. We just spoke to the amazing, the wonderful, uh, she, as well as her new book. Very, well, for very one I wouldn't have
1: you as, as, as a host. It's difficult, huh? it's that difficult. would be very fun. <laughs> I know, would it? Yeah, you know what? I'd do this show, Nekova Sotoro, Skurume, and you see, you see, why do that? Go ahead, see, that. Why, okay. why <laughs> <privilege>? <laughs> all of us in here can Kuluma and speak. You're the only one that. We have all taken our languages. Put them aside for you.
2: <laughs> Guys, I just want to thank you very much to all of you uh, for the privilege of speaking English. I really appreciate <laughs> <laughs> right. a good
1: point. Is a good point. Let's, get, let's get the guests in studio in on this conversation. You got the founder of the Young Professionals Forum, Busima Vuso, Active Management Management Forum. Who is a social activist? I don't know. What else? What else? Everything, right?
0: Yeah, the uh, first part of the introduction is <laughs>
1: <laughs> And then we've got Mur, who is the founder of the Key Leadership Institute. Good morning, everybody.
2: Good morning,
1: everyone.
2: Good morning, everybody, and waiting for like everyone <laughs> blinking at you.
1: going, <laughs> Should I speak now? I speak now? <laughs> well, it's the. No. Not the... Yeah, there we go. I'm decoded. It's the. You are the founder of the Young Professionals. What is the lived experience. Of young professionals
4: in the corp- in corporate South Africa, particularly black. Yeah, Um, good morning and and thanks for the opportunity Um, It's a difficult question because I think there's a tendency to try and aggregate all black professionals' experiences into this one, you know, common identity It's the same as people think that Africa is one big country It's such a bad uh, way of looking at things But be that as it may, I think there are certain things that um, one could pick up I think, um, having grown up in Soweto and uh you know had the privilege to to actually go to school um the lived experience is one defined by a bit of hardship um it's defined by having to break through some doors to get through um and 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 have access to opportunities uh but it's also one of of true privilege because i think to be employed in itself is is a privilege it's 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 a, an opportunity to craft your own future and your own destiny and although it comes with its own challenges um it does have its upside and i don't want to paint a a dark picture um, around the journey of a young black professional
1: you, you have founded this Young Professionals Forum I imagine it's, it's meant to, to drive some sort of change agenda What exactly is it about uh, young professionals That you're trying to organize and, and make happen?
4: I think our viewpoint is that, uh, you know, what we've seen is young black professionals are driven by fear. Um, They react from a position not of inspiration and aspiration, but a a position of fear. So what we see when we see a newspaper article on a Sunday, um, automatically, you know, black Twitter comes alive and people start shouting and screaming. Um, but it's a very frivolous um, Activism and um, By Tuesday or when that particular Matter actually dies down the matter Almost you know dies and falls off the table And as the YPF what we're trying To do is to be more aspirational um, Which is what I think you can see with the Fees must fall they found a cause a Common cause which they could use as Their vision statement and then work Towards that uh, and achieving that Instead of you know being reactive And, um, and not Applying their minds to how they can deal with their challenges let's um
2: let's get into some of these specific details because i think what happens is we get scared to actually speak about specifics yeah uh, we said there are a number of challenges that we face <laughs> as black people and what are some of these hurdles i mean what are we talking about here because our listeners predominantly white and zulu thank you to all the zulus listening um <laughs> our, our, <laughs> thank you for catching up on that rory <laughs> um are are looking at you and, and listening to you and going. But what problems do you have? It's so easy for you. You've got it battered here, like or, you know You've what, got affirmative whatever. Action. Affirmative action. <laughs> blah 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 blah. This is the black man's time to rise. But really and truly, that's not the lived experience. So what is the lived experience from your perspective?
4: From my perspective, uh, the lived experience is one where, as you enter the varsity environment, you are already starting to incur debt so the whole concept of wealth creation immediately is affected um, your 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 path to to economic freedom is affected from the first day that you walk into those corridors um you know nefsus and you know God bless their soul, um, are a great asset to the country in terms of affording us the opportunity to study. But it's also debt, whether it's student loans, whatever way you look at it. And what tends to happen is from the moment you walk out of varsity with that piece of paper, you already have your first debt that you have to start looking after. Over and above that, there's the debt of um, or the responsibility of the fact that you might be the one or second person To ever go to varsity in your family mm. So there's this issue of called the black tax Which for me is actually a real thing um, When you are given that responsibility To start looking after your cousins, your grandparents, etc, etc It becomes a very huge burden on you Furthermore, you have to build the working capital To actually go to work Like getting into a taxi from Pinville Zone 7 To go to Santon, You know, you may be taking two or three different modes of transport and you're spending maybe 30 to 40 percent of your income on that on that particular line item And time as well and, and time, right? And you're expected to compete at the same level as your colleagues who live very near to work um, Don't have some of those legacy debt issues And I always say that it's a pity because black professionals' um, careers are defined by debit orders Not by their aspirations mm. because you the dependency that Ferial spoke about is exactly what keeps us in the system and the fear that i was talking about is the fear to go out and break you know the comfort of not being able to pay that debit order because you know your credit record is going to be tainted you can't buy a house you're already owing Nefsas your first car was bought on debt you're buying groceries on credit card you've got a clothing account because you want to be dignified and walk into a bank looking good so you accumulate all this debt but you also don't have the courage to be able to break beyond it and actually build an asset base that can break that um, that chain
2: let's uh, let's bring in a, a very interesting- Interesting young lady, Busia Mavuso. She's the chief financial officer of Black Management Forum. Have I got that right?
1: Managing director of Ma- the Black Management.
2: Acting Forum. managing director. Come on, man! She's. I've got to keep up here. i got to keep up here. I'm sorry. Uh, you see how behind I am here. Uh, Busi, good morning to you. Welcome to the show. Thank you for joining us. Good
5: morning, morning, Andrew. Thank you.
2: The Black Management Forum—they've been around since 1976—and yep. one might argue that while it has been successful in getting black people to get seats in the corporate, you know, business table. And the boardrooms—it's not been effective at ensuring that the composition of corporate boardrooms reflects the demographics of the country more closely. Would that be a fair criticism?
5: Yeah, I, I, I think it's a fair criticism um, because when you look at corporate South Africa today, it really doesn't represent the demographics of the of the country, which is 80% black, 11% white, uh, 3% Indian, and whatever the difference is, uh, coloured. So. As a case in point, the Commission of Employment Equity report last year came out and said that only 13.6% top management are blacks. So I think that just goes to elaborate what the picture is looking like. And our revolution as the Black Management Forum is to ensure that there is enough black people in meaningful positions so that we can ensure that economic transformation happens. We are fighting to get to a point where South Africa looks like us, because uh, actually our previous president, Banang Muhale, used to say that when you go to Japan, India, you are not confused where you are because <laughs> their companies look Japanese, mm. Indian, you know, and so forth. But when you come to South Africa, you actually have to wonder. Because uh, we are not uh, uh, uh,
1: uh, Properly represented uh, In corporate South Africa as black People. Bushi, just returning To the the question that Andrew asked uh, About uh, has the Black Management Forum been effective? You've got the likes Of the Young Professionals Forum coming Up. Is that not an indicator perhaps That young professionals are now going elsewhere To look for for, for avenues And vehicles to drive the transformation uh, Because uh, the Black Management Forum maybe has not been effective Why are we seeing the burgeoning of the likes of Young Professional Forum when you've got the Black Management Forum? So you have the Employment Equity Act that you have
5: in the country today against the backdrop of the affirmative action blueprint that was put together by the Black Management Forum. And it's a fact, by the way, although a lot of, I'm glad Deboho is actually one of those who are progressive, you know, but you find uh, young people today saying that they are not affirmative action candidates. You know, that is not so. If it were not for these acts, we would not be where we are as black people. So the Employment Equity Act that we have in the country today, you know, was uh, founded, you know, through the Black Management Forum Affirmative Action Blueprint. Uh, it was in the BMF AGM resolution in 1997, that a resolution was taken that we need to set up a PE commission, and it is that commission that came up with the PE Act that you have in the country today, which was later, you know, made into the Triple PE Act in 2003. We were very instrumental as the Black Management Forum leading the black organizations out of BUSA because we felt that BUSA was not transformed and it was not the voice for black business, and we led that delegation to the reformation of the Black Business Council that you have today we we um were very instrumental in the amendments of the uh, Employment Equity Act that was signed into law in January 2014 so our intervention and, and our strategy as the Black Management Forum is to ensure that we lobby government so that we can make sure that the policies that we have in the country are designed such that Corporate South Africa does not have an option but to comply because this is where we're at you we spoke about the carrot and the stick approach uh, earlier on and our view is that I think we've tried the carrot approach for 22 years and it's high time that something more radical is done to ensure that Corporate South Africa transforms otherwise in 22 years time we are going to be sitting here and we are going to be talking exactly the same story that we're talking now and it's totally unacceptable
1: what does radical action look like or what what are the practical things that young professionals should be doing to to cause that radical action, so the lobbying approach seems to be very peaceful, and you know and we go through the whole legislative process, hopefully we get there but uh, but you 're speaking about radical what, what what does that look like for you? Paint a picture uh, of 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 how we could take this radicalism into
5: so as an example, for instance, we were in record or we made a pronouncement as the plaque management forum, I think about two, three weeks back, to say that we are watching with keen interest who MTN, Nestle, Tiger Brands and Asolo Metal are going to appoint into their CEO positions because we know that there's black CEOs that have just vacated those positions. And uh, I think last week, you know, as a case in point very disappointingly, Asalo Metal has appointed a Mr. Vem Ditleg, you know, a white a, a, a male into that position and we've got Tiger Brands who have uh, appointed a Mr. McTogger into that position. So we're seeing a phenomenon where t- transformation is being in reverse. So uh, we've spoken a lot you know as an organization and i think where we're at at the moment we want to test the legislation and to see if we can take one of these companies to the constitutional court to say that but can we not reverse what has been done because it's 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 totally unacceptable what is what is happening
1: yeah. Uh, so so Komunzo is, is is kicking the table here He's just getting very excited By what you're saying But uh, before we, we we get to Komunzo uh, These organizations had black, uh, had black CEOs They had black CEOs And they have not Turned out to be the shining jewels of transformation Anyway so what difference does it make To have a black CEO because They, they either don't seem to have the power Or the inclination to make the types Of transformation that, that is required Otherwise we would have heard of it So so does it matter that these organizations Have a black CEO or white CEO It matters it matters Rory It matters more
5: importantly to have the right kind of black person in these positions. Because I absolutely agree with you, black candidate does not necessarily equal to transformation. And this is where the Black Management Forum comes in. As a developing managerial skills organization, the big part of what we do is a conscientization uh, a, a project to say that we're trying to get our members to be transformation agents so that they can go into corporate South Africa and effect this much needed change so that corporate South Africa then can eventually represent the demographics of the country
2: i I want to say something, but I feel like homomoto <laughs> you you you're dying here. What do you want to say? Just just say your piece here. Yeah.
0: No no, I was actually just shifting my leg and um rolling. Oh, just shifting someone. your leg. Okay. You yeah. you,
1: you sound like a president who who was says also shifting his leg. <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't, say <laughs> I didn't say that. I didn't say that. A president because he's black. A president <laughs> who just forgets, who just conveniently forgets a, a member of his own parliament. Yeah. <laughs> now you're just shifting your leg. Kumoso Yeah. What's your comment?
0: Um i think I think there's some interesting points that are, are being made um first, let me say thank you for for the invite to the to the show um, so when I thought um decolonization of corporate South Africa obviously I don't do so much work in corporate essay a lot of my work is done with universities and different organizations um, but so asking myself whether I have the space to comment on, on this First let me say that um, I don't see Corporate SA As one entity that is Separate from society such that the challenges That are facing universities Are not relevant to, to, to corporate South Africa and, and the question of course for me Is what do you mean by, by this Decolonization um, process uh, Our colleagues here touched quite well on it But simply put This is South Africa <laughs> South Africa is it has got a lot of Black people um, and she spoke about 80% of this country being being black And then only finding that 13% So in a normal society, you'd find that that 13% actually is um, the white uh, part of it And then the other 80%, depending on where you look at it If you say about 10% of society will be smart Then the, the senior executives should be um, that part But I think important is to note that these things that we're talking about now Did not come by chance There are structural measures, there are institutions that are in place to ensure that those who are benefiting from it continue to to benefit from it
1: as uh, Sibusi mentioned, she said we want the right type of black people in leadership. This thing of the right type, what, yes. what is the right type of black person?
0: I, I guess it, it, it really depends on where you're coming from. What we've been taught, um, I think that the dominant discourse in our society is um, the right type of black is the One in part that fits The equation or the standard that has been set By corporate South Africa which is Predominantly white so we can look at it From a cultural point of view or from a skills point of view Um, Okay (laughs) Uh, You can look at it From a a cultural point of view or from a skills um, Point of view I do not necessarily Doubt that um, There's skills amongst um, black People first before we say that You measure the skills that people have Against um, the standard you need to First, realize as to how do these come about, and this is why you link it to the uh, struggles that the students are going through. I'll just pick up on what um, Devojo said earlier on. It's interesting because we're doing some work on on the the link between NSFAS and um, the Fees Must Fall movement. There's, there's difficulties that students experience as part of the NSFAS program, and and I posit that it's it's not it's not enough to say that, okay, we're giving some money, go to school. A lot of the students there struggle with uh, food. I mean, VITS has a food bank that uh, provides food for a number of students. These are students some of whom don't have accommodation, some of whom don't have uh, food. In a relatively elite institution like um, the University of, of, of Wetzirah So when you, when you talk about that good black, I think you need to measure it against the backdrop of where these people are coming from um, to get there. And when they eventually get there, what kind of support is put in place? And I think in, the previous, in one of the shows, we've, we mentioned this from a gender point of view, I think that the link between the gender and the, the race debate is, is very interesting because if you're saying that you want Cliff Central to uh, reflect um, the agenda balance but then when a woman starts coming, uh, starts working here, um, you don't have me- you don't have in your policies you don't have uh, measures for when either they decide to have babies, or when it's that time of the month, or, 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 or a number of these things. And these things you can find parallels with the with the race
1: um, debate. We forgot Just, uh, to mention that Komatsu is a gender activist, so, <laughs> so he had to bring that in. Of course
2: he did. We're speaking about um, should young professionals take responsibility for extending the decolonization project into corporate South Africa? Mm-hmm. It's, frankly speaking, 9 mm-hmm. to 11. We've got a whole bunch of guests in studio. Uh, we also encourage your comments on WeChat at com or hit us up at Rory Shabalala or at Yebo underscore Levy. What do you think about decolonization of corporates? Uh, we had an interesting discussion from one of our listeners, Kodua. Am I even saying that right? Kodua.
1: Kodua. Kodua. Yes, and uh, it's, a, it's a picture of a black person in there, so we assume it's black. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
2: assumptions are the biggest... Oops. Uh, anyway, black people have been skilled for only the, the, the past two decades. They don't have the necessary skills required sometimes. I feel like we should still be in the skills transition phase. Bussy, this comes to an earlier comment that you said about... Uh, radicalization and the fact that you you mentioned Arsene and Tiger Brands having white CEOs. Isn't it not a case of of we're looking at this maybe slightly different? I hate to be the white voice in the room here, but The the Asian Tigers, great example, China specifically, they used to hire management consultants to come in at different industry levels to basically run their industries. Now, I'm talking back in the 80s and 90s. And then what they would do is they would make sure that for every management consultant who comes from America, they would put two Chinese people literally following this American Every step of the way. Everything that they did, these two Chinese guys did. And what then happened was, five years later, they would say, thanks very much for your consulting fees, which we've paid for, goodbye, and now we have two Chinese guys who are leading the charge. Is that not something that we should be implementing as a system change, a systematic change, instead of going, hey, we need more black CEOs, and then putting whoever we can find, and as you were talking about, the right person, potentially... That person hasn't been skilled enough. And then we see these failings of CEOs who are black, who are put into a position and then fail. And then everyone goes, oh, look at him, you know, look at her, whatever the case may be. Instead of saying, hey, let's give them a real chance and say, let's put the – I don't know what the right title would be. I'm not the expert in this. But I'm just asking the question, is there not a way to make the systematic change where we say, let's have Fanny Kerk and Van Royen and Van Ryan and whoever else it is, put them in – and then make sure that whoever is second in command is following absolutely everything they're doing with the idea that that person will lead the charge in the next little while.
5: Yeah, no, I absolutely agree with you, Andrew. So I think this is a function of two things, really. We have found that corporate South Africa, for whatever reason, are terrible at succession planning. Mm-hmm. Uh, That's just generally, like words, right? Generally. Right. Uh, because if there was proper succession planning done, then these things, those are the interventions that they should be implementing to ensure that the picture changes or to ensure that, you know, uh, a black or ascends into power once this one person leaves. So we have seen a, a great example, for instance, uh, where um, with Exaro, they have uh, Mr. Siponko, who's the group CEO of Exaro, who's going to be leaving in March 2016. And I think it was two weeks back that... They've already announced a CEO designate, Mr. Mzoli C. Mkoja, I stand corrected, who's already going to be shadowing with Mr. Siponko for the next 12 months. Now, those are the interventions that we're expecting mm. Corporate South Africa to do. But then, so succession planning is one. That is, that, is, that, is, uh, that is the one issue. But then the other issue is that with the case of Asalomital, for instance, we know that there were four candidates that were shortlisted, and two of those candidates were black. And our view is that, if you have already made it that far, you know to be shortlisted, surely you are as good as your other counterparts and if Co South Africa is serious about the transformation imperative, mm. then they would be making they would be making a deliberate effort to say that we want a black. Uh, CEO into this position And we're going to ensure that whoever Sends into power is going To be one of these two people So I think it's also an issue of the Lack of willingness from corporate South Africa Because we refuse to believe That um, there's not enough Black people looking to the job You know there is a lot of black people that are skilled And if we're given a chance and given Half a chance to be able to hold these positions Then we definitely you know Would not uh, uh, uh,
1: Fail to deliver Mm. Mm. uh just uh, from from the point of view so we speaks about the CEOs of companies and so on uh, and and much gets said i mean 13.6% of top management uh, are are black and the rest is is white uh so w- give us a, a sense though of what hap- what's happening at the lower and middle management levels uh w- what's the situation like on those levels we're hearing the the, the level at the top but uh, the young professionals' experience in the middle and and and, and certainly at the lower levels—is it a fairer system? Is it a more representative representative system? Uh, and does it speak well? Does it bode well for the future in terms of the types of things that are happening at that level?
4: Yeah, I, I think a number of companies have made some good strides in terms of creating an environment where they are opening doors for young blood. Black talents to enter the system We see it in the graduate recruitment programs That they've got in place um, You know, from you know, uh, Getting the students at university, giving them Bursaries and then getting them into the system To give them some kind of internship So I think um, there's a lot more black People within the, the system, but I think Where the challenge starts to happen Is where you get to senior management Level and executive level And therein lies some of the Glass ceilings that exist um, I think something must be said around the value Of social capital In in this space Mm. Uh, People take for granted That affinity Is a huge um, You know Contributor To how people Actually ascend Into these various roles Uh, And it's not It's not surprising That mentorship You know Informal mentorship Happens between people Who feel they look alike Or you know Um share the same concerns. So if your senior and executive management is all white, um, the likelihood is that they're going to build social capital and relationships with, you know, younger white counterparts. And therein lies some of the challenges. I think for me, transformation has not been internalized as a culture in corporate South Africa. We're still ticking boxes. We're still, you know, trying to look good without buying into the actual transformation agenda. For me, transformation should sit within the top enchilant of the business from board level to exco level, it should be a critical, um, key performance area for all those people to say that if you don't meet those targets, you have it's, it's the same as all your other, let's say, uh, hard targets like your sales targets, etc. And the CEO should be measured. Um, like for like on on those outcomes And I think it's at that level When you can start um, creating a culture If we define culture as a collective behavior Of an organization If that culture can permeate From the CEO down to the bottom Then people will see that Their behavior which is contrary To a transformation agenda Is actually contrary to the culture of the business And therefore it's not a place Where certain people can work I'm loving what you're saying right now
2: yeah. I am absolutely loving what you're saying right now. Listen, we're speaking about should young professionals take responsibility for extending the decolonization project into corporate South Africa. A whole bunch of guests with us. What are your thoughts? We want to hear from you as well. A number of people are tweeting and WeChatting as we speak. We'll get to some of those comments in a little bit. Arthi Moore, you have been the quietest in the room. Hello. How are you doing? We didn't give you a mic. That's why you couldn't speak. <laughs> Otherwise, you would have been all over it. Give us your title because there's so many titles here. I don't know which one to use, Please.
6: I'm founder of Celebrating Humanity International and Key Leadership Institute.
2: Okay. Te spoke about this idea of social capital. And I think one of the things that I'm very excited and interested to speak to you about is organizational culture. What does this decolonization of organizational culture look like? Because corporate South Africa, that's probably one of the biggest issues is you've got to fit in, you know, like – Simocha and I have both worked at a bank before, the same bank, and, you know, it's rugby, 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 you know, Super 14, you better make your picks on Super Blue, bro. Because if you don't, you like, you, uh, you are. Eh? And interesting enough... What are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> what
1: are you doing?
2: That, that is the accent of the bank, right? Uh, and interestingly enough, it, it feels like the, the British Premier League is like, the, the, like the, the middle ground between black and white corporate South Africa. You know, you can all... Like, everyone can... You know, black people like soccer, white people like the UK. And so they come together at the British Premier League. But um, talk to me a little bit about this organizational culture and what it would look like to decolonize organizational culture in South Africa.
6: I think our first key right there was taking out the word decolonization because South Africa has what I believe an emotional disconnect. We've been using race for so long in terms of descriptions of ourselves. We've forgotten who we are as human beings. We've forgotten the value that we all have as people, the input, the experience, the knowledge, the wisdom, our ability to actually change and adjust and influence each other's lives because of who we are and where we come from. Now, when we start to program ourselves again, We're actually just now using some more terms to box ourselves in. But that sounds very much like
2: the DA language. Are you a DA supporter? Like this non-racialism? We believe in a Uh, non-racialism society. What the hell does that mean? Of course, there are black people and there are white people. We're not there yet, surely.
6: No, we're people and if we can get to that point where we're just people people will go into environments where they see that as valuable people I need different skills regardless of the color of my skin. I need to be put into positions because I deserve it and I've worked towards it I'm now going to look at what I can do for myself personally to develop myself. Taking into account our historical past differences of our country that cannot limit us to what we have access to right now it's as simple as no that everything is open and free and all of the people that actually fought for this freedom worked very hard to do it. Blood was shed to create this freedom. But what we're doing now is we're stagnating as a country. We're not moving forward. We've just boxed ourselves indifferently. And if you look at the fact that we're looking at putting people into positions regardless of the color of their skin, we need to put the right people into the right positions who have the ability to change our country in a more positive way. It's not about the color of the skin right now it is apparent because south africa is all about racism and apartheid and and employment equity and some of the work that we do is coming into corporate environments to resolve the human issues that are happening because the emotional disconnect that has happened in terms of culture has been race
2: but let me ask you this then if we are all humans and you Mm -hmm. spoke about value and valuable Mm -hmm. humans right Mm -hmm. Would you not agree that some humans are more valuable than other humans because of the fact that they have the social capital, because of the fact that they have a better education, because of the fact that they don't have a tax that means that you have to pay for fa- – Th- these are real things. You can't just hide these under no, the table, right?
6: cannot hide it. So,
2: so, so surely so then we need to recognize – So person more
6: valuable because of what they had access to. You cannot say that one person is more valuable because they had more privilege before. You but cannot you are say asking to somebody that they're, they're less valuable because of the struggles that they have, because they've got to take two taxis. Look at the difference now. These guys who take two taxis or three taxis to get to work have got more focus and are more proactive and are working harder right, to get to where they're at, which means that the guys actually deserve a lot more. They need to be appreciated more They need to be valued more They need to be given more opportunities To grow in terms of development it doesn't make them less valuable
2: But they're coming into a system Which is promoting uh, You know, the promotion of Whiteness, the promotion yes. of White culture So this is why I'm concerned with, with your language And as a white person in the room I'm feeling a bit weird about this <laughs> like, Just to say that, so just to acknowledge that But this is, this is a little bit of the concern that I have or the challenge that we have is that if we don't look at people with the color of their skin as well, we are missing some of the nuances that this country has mm-hmm. gone through. We, we're not at the stage where I can say Tabojo has worked equally as hard as Andrew. Tabojo has mm-hmm. worked much harder, but yet Andrew's getting the opportunities. Right, And by Tabojo's suit, we obviously seem that he is getting opportunities too. <laughs> Whatever. Uh, but, but, but the point is that these opportunities are difficult to come by. And the ceilings that we speak about, it's very easy for corporates just to make a graduate program. It's cheap for them. Mm. It's easy labor. Yay. Mm. They were doing it anyway. But when it comes to management, when it comes to decision-making power, we have a problem.
6: We do. We do, because I've noticed that in the work that we do around the country, we get called in because there are people in positions of power who do not want to let go of that power. People are so stuck. People are so stuck on the color of their skin in the work environment, they cannot see the value of a person, of somebody of a different color. right? So what we're seeing right now is in terms of the emotional disconnect between people, there has to be a deprogramming. Of the mindsets, there has to be a change in the mindset. We're talking about transforming this country You will never transform as long as we keep looking at people as colours t- You guys are sitting here right now as two DJs Two people who are co-hosting a programme that will impact and change the lives and influence people Because you have the ability to connect with each other Understand a little bit about each other's cultures And you respect each other There's a lot of disrespect within the corporate environment for people People don't actually connect with each other. Everything is a business etiquette that was brought down from the Western culture. We have not embraced African leadership styles. We have not embraced the simplicity of the, of, the the power and the beauty of African leadership within our country. Things as simple as Lekhotla and Umshlangano. People are not sitting around the table and listening to each other. We hear each other but we're not listening because we don't really care. People do not have the care and compassion that they should have to grow the country. Having anger is not going to change anything. Being angry at somebody for the color of their skin is not going to change this country. Connecting with people will change this country. Understanding each other's stories and truly listening to where people's pains are, that will change this country. So when we're talking about decolonization, take out the aggressive words and ask, how can we use compassion to connect with each other on an emotional level? Ask, how can I help you and what is your challenge? What are your challenges? What can I do to help you? How can we share our skills together? Because we're never ever going to grow if we hold on to our skills, we hold on to our positions, we hold on to our old thinking, we hold on to our old belief systems. That is why the corporate South African uh, mindsets haven't changed. That is why you don't have people of different cultures At higher levels in the organization Because people are not even speaking up for themselves Arti, What they're l- doing l- is they're, they're stagnating
1: Yeah, you, I don't know what you did there But whatever you did, it got Arti going mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> well, Komozo, uh, let, let's bring you in here um, um, Arti seems to, 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 to suggest that we, 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 we stop focusing on this thing Of the color of people's skin uh, are we there yet?
0: I, let me first um, pick one part that uh, Artie mentioned that people don't want to let go. I think that is the one part I really agree with. Um, there are a number of other parts that I would like to humbly um, disagree with. Um, as you, <laughs> do, humbly yeah. as you, as you as do. As you um, do. <laughs> I think the point of departure is that this is in a lot of ways about privilege. And people that have privilege don't want to let go of privilege. I was reading an article just le- yesterday um titled When you have been used to privilege equality feels like oppression. Um and that is that is very interesting because um where we are right now is not a chance thing. It's not that uh, back in the 80s 70s I mean look, movements, political movements in the country have been existing for about 100 years yeah. are we really really saying that people didn't know anything about compassion and sharing and all of these things for the 100 years until Toot started flying around the 80s and, 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 and things like this.
1: Cliff Central you can say it okay. mm. Toot?
0: No no I I'm, I'm, I, I like speaking <laughs> proper <laughs> language you know <laughs> <laughs> cultural aspects of where you are <laughs> But essentially, yeah. the, the point I'm trying to make is that, um, the, 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 the m- Moral root and the compassion and the uh, I'll, I'll just link the TRC. Of course, you didn't say that, and the non-racialism and the number of things that um, Andrew mentioned are very costly. They're very costly for 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 the poor and those who bear the brunt of things not changing. You know what you've seen with I mean, going back to what exactly uh, the, they were linking this to to the student protests. It went to someone taking a bucket of poo and throwing it over a statue. No one. I think Would like to just do something like that It's the level of frustration That people go through To end up getting there So what I'm just saying is that If if we go about it As seeing people as as people We we probably wouldn't even be here um, We wouldn't I mean This work that the Black Management yeah. Forum does. is important. It's important. Yeah. And there are a lot of people that don't necessarily yeah. see it as, as that as important. Yeah. So you still need those whether symbolically or functionally you need mm-hmm. those quotas to say, this company needs to reflect South Africa. If we say we're just people, what you'll end up with, you'll end up with people who went to um, universities like Stellenbosch, which is Africans. You come out of a home that mm-hmm. speaks Africans. Parents had the opportunity to study. You get to the university. speaks like you. It looks like you. Place yeah. just like you. Yeah. So I, I think it's, it's very important to know that this space is not as equally open. In fact, it's got a number of hurdles for, for black people. So when you see Kumoso sitting here, being able to speak to this um, team in the way that I, I, I do right now, um, it's been through a number of things that Andrew may not have ha- uh, had to deal with in the yeah. same way that I did. So that's...
1: Explosive, uh, and that is leading up to the end of the first hour of this discussion And we've hardly even started, Duncan's already on our case He's saying, put on some quieto, put on some quieto uh, No, I'm not we're putting we're on that quieto thing again We're, we're about to, we're <laughs> about to put on some quieto we're about to, to put on some quieto but before that, Andrew, of course, this conversation started um, and the idea for the show actually started because of the work you guys are doing in your organization, Umuzi, uh, an initiative called uh, Decolonize Umuzi. Just give us a sense of what, what is that about and uh, have you guys lost your socks? Probably lost our
2: socks, but um, that's probably because of a budgetary constraint and the junk status we're about to go into. Thank you, Moody's. Um, No, I think what we realized is the work that we do is about challenging the narrative in South Africa uh, by developing the next generation of black creative youth, because we believe that the narratives are wrong in this country about what black young people go through. Mm. Uh, But... Having said that, there are two white people leading the organization, which is very weird. Um, so we, we went on a process of going, hey, well, what, is the, what are the things in Umuzi, a small little organization, NGO, that lead and propagate this kind of at, like attitude of colonization, of whiteness, of white frame of thinking? And um, we started at the beginning of this month and it's been a very interesting journey so far. To be honest, I don't know where it's going. Um, what is interesting is our young recruits, who are all black, are talking about this idea of it de- decolonization of Umuzi in this space does not necessarily mean getting rid of whites. I think that's very interesting to say and, and to note that this is, this is coming from a human perspective. We're not saying that we want other humans to leave the country because they are this... We're saying that mm. there are things that systematically need to change in this country. Mm. And we need to identify them, be aware of them, and then
1: actively move towards them. So, so what are some of the things that, uh, that have happened so far? I, I know Ugh, they took I, your chairs away at some stage. Yeah, you can yeah, no yeah, longer wait. be the chairman. they <laughs> are not chairman without a chair.
6: <laughs> no, it's been, wow. it's,
2: it's been really interesting. Like uh, the one day we played uh, um, you know, struggle songs the entire day. And um, the young people couldn't handle it. This is young black township youth. We're like, ah, I'm sick and tired of this. This is just killing my my vibe and my pride. And we've done that. And uh, we're very quick to forget the injustices, both black and white, of the past. Um, So, to be honest, Rory, I've been fascinated by this. I think we've had a number of different activations, some more coming. Check out uh, Umuzi uh, and see what's happening there. It's it's crazy. Uh, I'm anxious, being honest. But at the same time excited Because this is the journey we have to go on so As South Africans
1: We just have to go on it You guys must be crazy right And, and, and I think this is the question that I want to bring After the break to our, to, to, to our, our guests here Is what would an experiment like that uh look like in the corporate space and 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 what are the things practically that would begin to change in there i mean some of the things that are happening in a are really exciting and and almost scary right because uh, in some instances you're doing things that might offend potential funders uh and so on and you're having to to almost say do we have the courage of our convictions to do this in spite of uh, uh, alienating potential support So uh, I'm really excited About uh, jumping into the next segment Of our show and uh, and Just looking at these uh, of course you can also Join us on Twitter uh, At uh, Rory Shabalala And uh, at Andrew Levy Andrew underscore, Yebo Levy.
2: underscore Levy
1: Yebo underscore Levy <laughs> and i underscore Levy. that wrong I mean come on Pretorian doesn't have underscore in it So I don't know <laughs> uh, We've got Bradley Shaw who's saying uh, Colorblind really we need to own differences and part and are part in the, in history. This person, okay, yeah, that's a, that's that's Bradley Shaw losing his socks. who says, "Love, love, love the conversation on Frankly Speaking. Really great discussion today. Uh, the fact that she uses today, I wonder what it says about all our other times." in <laughs> We speak about all sorts of things like black anger, did Nelson Mandela uh, sell out black people, is the DA really racist, Afrikaners, villains or victims. Catch all of those on our on our page on cliffcentral.com. Uh, but for now, uh, keep listening as we jump into Brenda Farsi weekend special. Said like a true DJ. Hey, My goodness. Wow.
2: <laughs> well,
6: we <laughs> are <laughs> turning. Mama, I made it. <laughs> this is cliffcentral.com.